we will use every tool available to government to open these schools. This stopped being about labor disruption. This started to be about the ripping away of workers' rights. Out of class, on the picket lines, and into a weekend of anxiety. The labor dispute affecting tens of thousands of people across Ontario. Good evening. The Ford government called QP's bluff, and the union and its thousands of workers were not afraid to show their hand. An illegal strike over failed contract talks, shutting down schools and shutting out kids across Ontario. We have comprehensive coverage of you for you tonight. Austin Delaney is looking at the reaction of parents to the strike and how they're planning for a potential long haul. Beth McTonnell is on the government's position and what it is doing to get schools reopened. But we begin with Janice Golding, who's been following the striking workers today. Janice. Hi, Michelle. As you can see, the picketers have gone home for the day. However, they started arriving here at Queen's Park at around 7 this morning. And Toronto police actually tell us there are around 10,000 people who pass through here through the day with anywhere from five to 7,000 people picketing at any given time. And this was just one of 127 protests that took place across the province. When we stand together, we will win together. A show of force and solidarity as thousands of picketers gathered outside Queen's Park this morning. The first day of an indefinite and illegal strike involving education workers from across the province. I can't say how long this will last, but I can say this. Our members are willing to fight. They are the ones who will make this decision and we will support them. Just yesterday, the province imposed a contract on the 55,000 support staff, enacting a law which bans the QP workers from striking. It also invoked the notwithstanding clause to protect against constitutional challenges. So this is important to show that we will not take it. He needs to rescind the legislation. We don't do this job because we wanted to make a fortune. We do this because we, we love people, we love children, we want to help them. We want to build a better society. And this government's disgusting. The strike action particularly defiant, given the union could face fines of more than $220 million each day workers are off the job. The four-year deal the province is imposing would give 2.5% annual raises to workers making less than $43,000 and 1.5% for workers earning more. QP had originally been seeking pay hikes of 11.7% a year. The union said yesterday its latest offer was about half of what was originally proposed, which would be around a 6% wage increase. People understand what we're doing, and they understand we're doing it on behalf of them too. We'll set the rates for people across the city, not just us. While QP and the province battle it out before the Labour Board, school boards across the province have shut their doors, students and parents being forced to stay home. We want to be back in front of our kids as soon as we possibly can. But we cannot go back when you're stripping away our charter rights, when you're stripping away our human rights. Hands off our labor rights! Hands off our right to strike! And CUPE says an attack on the support workers' rights is an attack on all workers' bargaining rights. So again, Fred Hahn told reporters he doesn't have a crystal ball, so he does not know when the strike will end. However, he says his members are ready to bargain whenever the government is ready to bargain. Reporting live, Janice Golding, now back to Nathan. All right, thank you, Janice. The Ford government has been before the Provincial Labor Relations Board for much of the past 24 hours, saying it plans to use everything at its disposal to end this strike. Joining us now is CTV's Beth McDonnell with more on the province's position tonight. Beth. 
Nathan, this strike was made illegal when the government passed its law. Now the government has made a submission to the Ontario Labour Relations Board, and there today, lawyers with unions seeking intervener status were talking about how CUPE was actually able to strike until this strike was made illegal. On the other side at the hearing today, we're hearing that this hearing is not about whether, about the law, it's actually about whether the strike is unlawful. It's a bitter dispute the government has warned could cost striking members and their union hefty fines. The Minister of Education says immediately following the law being passed, the government made a submission to the Ontario Labour Relations Board asking for the strike to be declared illegal. We're going to make a vigorous case that there must be an end to this disruption. The children in Ontario have paid the price of the pandemic. The strike was already made illegal when the Keeping Students in School Act passed Thursday afternoon and given royal assent. But some labour and employment lawyers say going to the board gives the government more power to proceed and levy the fines. The bill means members could face a $4,000 fine per day, the union $500,000 a day. The NDP says it wants the law thrown out. This is a government that is abusing our education system. It's making parents and children angry. It's hurting them. And I think in the court of public opinion, they're going to have increasing problems. Some lawyers for unions at the hearing today are asking why the dispute didn't go to arbitration, are concerned about charter rights and what the law means for other unions who have negotiations coming up. The education minister says if workers have a problem, they should protest after school hours. The heavy-handed approach here is a strike imposed on millions of kids and a million parents and our entire society and economy that is having to face this type of anxiety. Today, repeating the government will use every tool available to get kids back to in-person learning. QP tells me it's expecting the hearing to conclude by Monday. Reporting live, I'm Beth McDonnell. Michelle, back to you. Thank you, Beth. Let's turn to CTV's Austin Delaney now, who's been speaking with families today as they are forced to navigate childcare once again. Austin. Well, having the kids home on this first strike day was definitely a lot easier for some parents than it was for others. Some parents could work from home. Others did, could not do that. The Wexford Park playground, full of kids this afternoon on what normally would be a school day. It's not ideal. Not ideal, quips Naola Clark, because this would normally be a work day. But now she finds herself at the park with her children, wondering how long they'll be out of the classroom. And if that's how it goes, that's how it goes. I'm, I, I, support, I support why they're striking. So as much as it's inconvenient um, and it's terrible to have the kids out of school again, um, I think that it's, it's necessary that, you know, the salaries be brought up. The TDSB says it is not possible to bring students back while support staff strike. We can't guarantee the supervision, the safety, the cleanliness of our schools for students right now. Some working parents we spoke to found it hard today. I want to support, but if school is closed, then it's not easy for us. Christian had to take the day off to care for his triplets, but he cannot do that next week again. I have to work. I have to feed my family. And if I have to take a day off to stay at home, it's really going to tell on me. It's going to tell on my finances. The TDSB says it is preparing for the worst. If the, this does continue into next week, we're making plans to quickly transition uh, over to that synchronous live classroom learning, albeit remotely, 
uh, early next week. Isaac, what do you think about maybe having to learn from home again online? Boo! Christelle Stratton supports the job action and says she'll just take it day by day if schools stay closed next week. That would be unfortunate, but again, I think it's understandable with inflation and everything that's going on. I'm worried it'll drag on, but if it drags on, it drags on. It's more of a, if it must, it must. It's going to bring us a lot of stress for sure. Some parents tell me they have become accustomed to online learning. And we're fortunate enough that we're in a position that we could probably manage uh, if the kids were out of school for maybe an extended period of time. Um, but, you know, not everybody's in that, in that position. Many parents still working from home because of COVID. And so this weekend, they'll scramble again to find care for their, for their children, not knowing how long this job action will last, how long their children will be locked out of the classrooms. Reporting live, I'm Austin Delaney. All right, thank you, Austin. Prime Minister Trudeau was in Toronto today, and he once again criticized the Ford government's handling of the ongoing education dispute. The proactive use of the notwithstanding clause um, is actually an attack on people's fundamental rights and in this case is an attack on one of the most basic rights uh, available, that of collective bargaining. While the inquiry continues over his government's use of the Emergencies Act, the PM says Ottawa is looking at all options on how to respond to Premier Ford's use of the notwithstanding clause. Our coverage continues online, including up-to-the-minute information on the dispute and what school boards are planning for Monday in the event there is no resolution over the weekend. You'll find it all at ctvnewstoronto.ca. Still ahead, landlords spending thousands of dollars just to recoup lost rent. A CTV News Toronto investigation into a broken system surrounding landlords and tenants in Ontario. That's coming up in just a few minutes. As if one massive labour dispute is not enough, people who travel by GO bus may need to find an alternative. The union for hundreds of drivers and other employees says it's turned away the latest offer from Metrolinx. And come Monday, the workers will be on strike. CTV's Andrew Brennan joins us now to break down the details. Andrew. Well, Nathan, Michelle, that will impact people that will be taking buses like here at Yorkdale. You know, for instance, there's a lot of train service. That will not be affected as we confirmed that a few minutes ago with Metrolinx. That being said, with bus operators, it's a different story. Now, what Metrolinx last told us is what they're trying to figure out right now is whether or not this strike, which begins Monday at 12.01 a.m., well, that affects as much hap as does happen quite often on weekends as well as at nighttime. A lot of other routes that are usually trains are taken over by buses. Whether or not any buses that are all sh would be en route already, well, they have to stop. They don't want to have anybody who would be stranded in the middle. Speaking with Metrolinx there, it seems like they would be cancelling routes as well starting Sunday night. Now, the union's local president spoke with us a few minutes ago by phone. What their main concerns are right now is really contract jargon, but this is to them very important in terms of their long-term job security. These workers, which includes bus operators as well as transit attendants at stations, have been looking for a bit of assurities in terms of the way that their jobs are defined in their collective agreement, what they're saying. And what they are looking at right now is having them walk off the job as of Monday for as long as it takes to come to resolution. And they already said that they have delayed this strike action, which would have theoretically begun on October 31st. But because of wanting to get a deal done, they waited. So we're trying to get some details on these potential routes that would be in operation. But what is clear for commuters to know 
is that starting Monday, there will be no buses as of now in operation for GO Transit and potentially into Sunday night as well. But train service will operate, but just to check schedules in advance in case there's any issues at stations because that's where some workers are as well. Reporting live, I'm Andrew Brennan. We'll send it back to you, Nathan and Michelle, inside. Good to know. Thank you, Andrew. Well, the fog has finally lifted. The sun poked through today ahead of what is expected to be a fantastic weekend of warm weather, although there will be some wind to contend with. Lindsay Morrison is here with a look at the current conditions. Lindsay. Yes, Michelle, those warm temperatures come with a price tag. We'll talk about that. But first, look how mild it is still at this hour. The sun has now set, and it is 20 degrees in Burlington and Oakville. It's 19 in Mississauga and Brampton, 19 at Pearson International. And this is a look at the satellite and radar, a little preview of what's coming for Saturday night. But let's talk about those winds. Right now, they're gusting out of the south at around 30 kilometers per hour. That pales in comparison to what's ahead for tomorrow. We have a widespread special weather statement in effect. This is starting Saturday afternoon, but really it's Saturday night where we could experience gusts up to about 80 kilometers per hour. We'll talk about this in the rest of your weekend forecast coming up. For now, though, Nathan, over to you. All right, thank you, Lindsay. Police have arrested a teenager in connection with this week's deadly shooting outside Woburn Collegiate. He's accused of killing Jefferson Gurrier Monday afternoon. Gurrier was a former student of nearby Lester B. Pearson. A 15-year-old boy was also injured in the shooting. Police say the teenage suspect turned himself in Thursday and was charged with second-degree murder. He cannot be identified publicly under the Youth Criminal Justice Act. A Caledon man is going to prison for his role in a deadly 2018 crash that killed a mother and two children. An Ontario judge handed Paul Manzon a six-year sentence today. Our Allison Hurst reports on the developments inside court and what family of the victims are saying about this decision. Okay. Mary Ricobeni and her sister-in-law hold each other as tightly as they hold on to the memory of her daughter, Julia. Julia was the youngest in our family. She was the baby. She was an unexpected gift in our home. The man who killed her is going to prison, sentenced six years and banned from driving for seven. Is six years enough though? No, it's not. Our families are gone. Our families are destroyed. In 2018, the car her 12-year-old daughter was in was hit by Paul Manzin's blue Corvette, going double the speed limit. Allison Jones, her seven-year-old son Miles and Julia were killed. One other passenger in their car and one in Manzin's were injured. Speed kills. And you need to be accountable for your actions. Manzin was convicted of three counts of dangerous driving causing death and two counts of dangerous driving causing bodily harm. When reading her sentencing reasons, Superior Court Justice Nancy Dennison described the consequences as catastrophic. She said the lives that were lost are worth so much more than any criminal sentence can account for, but that the sentence is not meant to crush Mr. Manzin. The sentence Mr. Manzon received is really surprising. The Crown had initially asked for 10 to 12 years, while the defence wanted five behind bars. If I were the Crown Attorney's Office in Peel, I would be appealing this up to a higher court and suggesting that this kind of sentence post-Marco Muzzo post-Brady Robertson, is what's called manifestly unfit. In 2016, Marco Muzzo got 10 years for driving under the influence and killing a grandfather and three children. And in the spring, Brady Robertson was sentenced 17 years for a crash that killed a woman and her three young daughters. Defence lawyer Ari Goldkind says this six-year sentence doesn't send the right message. This was a purposeful decision to get into his hot rod Corvette 
and to make everybody else in our society a potential victim. For Rico Benny and her family, nothing will bring back the happy, active and bright girl they lost. It's a bit of a relief that it's it's done. Allowing them instead to focus on remembering the child who never grew up. I miss her a lot. Allison Hurst, CTV News. While education is a major focus for the province today, the Ford government has announced a new proposal that would impact the Green Belt. The Green Belt was created in 2005 to protect environmentally sensitive lands from development in the Greater Golden Horseshoe. Premier Doug Ford has pledged to protect the Green Belt in the past, but the new proposal would see protections removed from 15 areas or around 7,400 acres to enable the building of at least 50,000 homes. The province also says protections would be added to 13 areas and parts of the Paris Gulf Moraine that would add 9,400 acres for a net gain of 2,000 acres to the Green Belt. After Thursday's investigation into red tape at Ontario's Landlord and Tenant Board, we got a lot of feedback from landlords also facing huge losses because of big delays. One wrote to Ontario's Premier about his case, and as John Woodward reports, critics say the response he got back was underwhelming. When he stopped receiving rent at his Brampton house, landlord Jaspal Candola put up this sign to advertise for new tenants. The trouble is, the old tenants never left. They're not paying rent. The last time I received my rent was in June. So Candola applied in September to evict them, accusing them of stiffing him $9,900. The landlord and tenant board said get in line, a line that is eight months long. By then, Candola says he'd be ruined. That's a scary situation for me, very scary situation. I can lose my house. The tenants didn't answer when we knocked. It's hardly the only case. I got photos, it's okay. By the time this tenant had been evicted from this St. Catherine's house, nearly two years had gone by, costing the landlord some $76,000. It's pretty uh, unbelievable. Ontario's ombudsman started investigating the situation at the LTB in January 2020. Since then, the agency says they've received over 1,800 complaints. Candola complained to Ontario's premier about the delays. His office wrote back saying, I am not permitted to interfere in or comment on tribunal processes or decisions. However, I can highlight a significant aggravating factor. COVID-19 has negatively impacted tribunals like the LTB with sudden, prolonged and unavoidable service delays. With that said, the board is working diligently to improve operations and enhance the quality of dispute resolution. That, that's unacceptable. That, that is not an answer. It's not leadership. Opposition MPPs say a shutdown amid COVID-19 was one cause of the backlog, but the government needs to do more to address it. The Landlord-Tenant Board is a chronically underfunded tribunal. It needs more funding and they need to hire more competent adjudicators who can quickly resolve disputes when they arise. Something that will cost taxpayer dollars. Did not know that the government system would fail like that. But if the money isn't spent, critics say small landlords will pay the price. John Woodward, CTV News. And if you have a story idea for CTV News Investigates, please let us know. You can email investigate at ctv.ca or visit our website for more secure and anonymous ways to get in touch. There you go. That's a girl.
Aw, cool weather event just in time for a weekend of warm weather. Still ahead, we have all the sights and sounds from the Royal Agricultural Winter Fair kicking off a special anniversary today. That's a little later this hour. Job numbers from last month are out and they completely shattered forecasts. Canada's labor market gained 108,000 jobs in October, way up from a prediction of just 10,000. The unemployment rate held steady at 5.2% as the number of people looking for work grew. The news follows four months of job losses or small gains. Analysts say the surprise gain means interest rates will likely climb even higher to slow down an overheating economy. As Hockey Canada faces calls for reform, a third-party review has found the organization needs reimagined leadership with more oversight. The 221-page document released today after the review led by former Supreme Court Justice Thomas Cromwell. In it, he recommends increasing the board's size and ensuring more gender diversity in its membership. Hockey Canada has faced criticism for using its National Equity Fund to pay out sexual assault settlements. The review said it was right to establish a reserve fund, but there was no appropriate oversight or transparency. The investigation into unmarked graves at residential school sites could take a significant turn. Kimberly Murray is a special liaison appointed by Ottawa. She's an independent official tasked with helping First Nations investigate unmarked graves. She says she's now exploring the idea of whether a tribunal should be set up to prosecute or investigate crimes related to the graves. More testimony today from a key leader of the convoy protests at the inquiry into the use of the Emergencies Act. The commission also heard testimony from protesters who downplayed the impact of the weeks-long demonstrations on Ottawa residents. CTV's Glenn McGregor reports. A second day of testimony from the most visible face of the Freedom Convoy. Tamara Leach was pressed about the effects on Ottawa of the occupation she helped organize. You wouldn't want a big rig to pull up, for example, in front of your parents' home and park and idle for 24 hours a day for several weeks honking their horn. You wouldn't want that, would you, Miss Leach? Well, Mr. Champ, my ex-husband was a tool push on a drilling rig, and I've spent many, time, many days on the site of a drilling rig, and there's a lot of diesel fumes and there's a lot of noise. Yeah, it's not pleasant, is it? It is, it is what it is. <laughs> Leach was asked about whether she really intended to negotiate an end to the protest and denied Ottawa police had ever asked her to get out of the city. I was never told I needed to leave. The inquiry is studying the federal government's use of the Emergencies Act to end the three-week occupation in February. Today, two protesters described their arrests after the act came into force. One, a veteran who had been injured in Afghanistan, had linked arms with others around the war memorial. It was the worst pain I had felt since I'd been blown up. The fact that I couldn't sit or stand was to me cruel and unusual punishment. Another, a natural health practitioner, said she told police about to arrest her that they were violating her charter rights. I was thrown to the ground and um, there was a, a lot of weaponry around and uh, I looked up and there was, there was a gun pointed it appeared to be at my head. Before police moved in, they claimed the protests were peaceful, full of love and Canadian spirit. In response, they were shown a video of a different reality. While your children were trying to sleep, that would be okay with you? I won't um, deny the fact that that would be... Um, that there was a lot of energy being brought to, to Ottawa. 
The inquiry has now heard evidence from Ottawa residents, from protesters, from municipal politicians, and from police. In coming weeks, the Prime Minister and members of his cabinet will be called to testify to explain why they made the decision to invoke the Emergencies Act. Glenn McGregor, CTV News, Ottawa. Not long after Elon Musk took over Twitter, the social media platform laid off large numbers of employees today. Reports suggest as many as half of the company's 7,500 employees could be out of a job. But there's been no official tally. Critics say the mass firings could lead to a surge in misinformation on Twitter ahead of midterm elections south of the border. Musk, meanwhile, tweeted that advertisers choosing to leave the platform are causing a massive drop in revenue and accusing them of trying to destroy free speech. There are growing concerns over unrest in Pakistan after the former prime minister was injured in what he calls an assassination attempt. Imran Khan called for a revolution as he accused Pakistan's government and military of involvement in the attack. Officials responded by calling the claim baseless and irresponsible. Khan's supporters have been staging protests and blocking roads after the shooting. Khan is pushing for early elections after he was ousted in a no-confidence vote several months ago. Russia is keeping up its assault on Ukrainian cities. <laughs> Officials in the city of Mykolaiv shared footage of the aftermath of Russian shelling overnight. They say there was damage to infrastructure but no casualties. This comes as Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky says 4.5 million people are without electricity as Russian strikes cause outages. G7 foreign ministers wrapped up a meeting today in Germany, which focused in part on helping Ukraine restore and defend its energy grid. Remembrance Day is one week away, but members of the GTA's Ahmadiyya Muslim community gathered this afternoon for a special early commemoration. Friday is the holiest, most significant day of the week for Muslims. As a result, we want to take this holy day to organize this important Muslim for Remembrance event. Organizers say they mark Remembrance Day on November 11th as well, but the annual event after Friday prayers is an opportunity to reflect, remember, and honor the sacrifices made by Canadian soldiers past and present. Coming up, paying more for gas as we head into the weekend. Another jump on the way for your Saturday will bring you up to speed. And I'm Pat Foran. Coming up on Consumer Alert, if you're on social media, you've seen ads for various products. There are supplements that claim you can lose weight or boost your brain power. But an investigation found that some of these products are dangerous and illegal. I'll have that story just ahead. 20.4 degrees was the high reach today in Toronto, which means we broke the daily temperature record set on this day back in 1987, and we could break another one tomorrow. A reminder that we fall back this weekend, and while you change your clocks, it's a good idea to remember the batteries and smoke alarms and carbon monoxide detectors. Stay with us. Your weekend forecast is coming up, and we've got another full night of great shows for you right here on CTV. When you're on social media, you're often inundated with various ads for everything from clothing to food to booking a holiday. You'll also see ads for health supplements that make incredible claims, but some could actually be harmful. Pat Foran has our story on Consumer Alert. Pat. Thanks, Nathan and Michelle. If you use Facebook, you've probably seen ads for supplements that claim they can help you lose weight, improve your memory, and even cure diseases. But a new investigation just found that some of these ads are promoting potentially dangerous products. 
With allusions to boosting brain power and curing insomnia, certain Facebook ads caught the attention of Consumer Reports. We found ads and posts that promoted the use of some supplements that are dangerous or even illegal. Um, for example, we found a series of posts from a verified Facebook page that promoted the use of Comfrey, which is a dangerous supplement. Researchers also found a disturbing trend. Some of the supplement ads targeted specific groups of people. We found some ads that targeted people who Facebook thought were interested in diabetes awareness. And Facebook was allowing marketers to put ads in front of those people that marketed things like a reverse diabetes kit. And of course, medical experts um, say that supplements in general can't cure or reverse diabetes. New Life took down that product listing. Its CEO told Consumer Reports people with diabetes should continue to work with their doctors, but he also said they should wean themselves off medication. Researchers also found dangerous supplements being sold on Facebook Marketplace, where users can buy and sell new and used items, including Kratom, which health officials have listed as a drug of concern. Facebook said the Kratom listing violated the platform's rules, and soon after, most of the Kratom listings had disappeared. But even if these ads for dangerous supplements are taken down, they may pop up elsewhere, and you should be cautious before trying them. Consumers want to be really careful around uh, these kinds of supplements. These supplements might end up on the shelves. They're not going through a filter beforehand. The bottom line, you should check with your doctor before trying any new supplements and do your own research before believing ads you see on social media. And when you're on social media, be careful if you see a celebrity endorsing a product they might not be. And watch out for free trial offers. They say they need your credit card number for a small shipping fee, but you're often charged hundreds of dollars. On your side, I'm Pat Foran. If you have a consumer story idea, email us at alert at ctv.ca. Another day well above seasonal, the weekend above seasonal, but it's an important weekend when it comes to the time. Mm -hmm. We fall back, which I think some people like it. You get that extra hour of sleep. It's uh -huh. kind of exciting. But then, yes, everything's just darker earlier. So we were saying this time... On Monday, mm -hmm. all our reporters will be out there in the dark reporting. Yes, yes, the sunset time tonight was about 6.05. This time on Monday, it's going to be closer to 5 o'clock, which I know not everyone is excited about, but we do have some exciting weather in store for this weekend. It's going to be warm, it's going to be windy, and at one point, it's also going to be a little wet out there. Weather is brought to you by Train, the most reliable heating and cooling brand. It's hard to stop a train. Well, I want to show you some video here. This is what everyone was talking about all week long in the weather department. The fog that we had for days and what we're seeing right now is time lapse video from a high rise condo building downtown. You can barely see the skyline through the cloud cover. Sure looks fascinating, doesn't it? Unlike yesterday, the fog did manage to lift this morning. Uh, we ended up having a mix of sun and cloud. We'll have similar conditions tomorrow. A little bit of fog in the morning, uh, but the two big stories for tomorrow, the warm weather and the windy weather. Let's get to what you can expect overnight tonight. A little bit of fog overnight low 13 degrees well above normal. The average overnight low at this time of year is three degrees and then tomorrow forecast daytime high 21. Similar to today we made it to 20 degrees. Very comfortable outside but there is a little bit of a trade-off for tomorrow. You will likely see many leaves blowing off trees tomorrow so it's a good day to get outside and enjoy the warmth and maybe do a little fall cleanup but you might have to do even more into the day on Sunday. Here's what we're dealing with. Special weather statement it's widespread right across southern Ontario. This is warning of wind gusts up to about 80 kilometers per hour. The
strongest winds look to be happening as we make our way into Saturday night. Conditions will improve into the day on Sunday. Just how strong could they be? Well, as mentioned, maybe up to about 80 kilometers per hour. Some peak wind gusts could be recorded in parts of southern Ontario, closer to about 90K. We've got this front that's moving in, so we're looking at some wet weather as well. The majority of the wet weather is going to happen while most are sleeping Saturday night and into the day on Sunday. I'm just going to pause this for tomorrow to show you the mix of sun and cloud that's in store. Wet weather arrives as we make our way uh, late evening Saturday overnight into Sunday. By the time we're waking up on Sunday, likely going to be gone. We'll be enjoying some sunshine and pretty pleasant temperatures still. 18 is the forecast high for Sunday. Monday, we're closer to about 15 return to seasonal values by about next Tuesday. So that's when the warm spell starts to end, but the sunny stretch looks to follow us right into the middle and late part of next week. That's a look at the weather for now. Nathan, over to you. All right. Thank you, Lindsay. Also tonight, the meaning behind those budding mustaches. Meet most of the men involved in the Movember movement as awareness and money sprout hope for the future. On air, online, on every platform. Escape tragedy by mere moments. CTV News Toronto. A story you'll only see here. Winner of the Canadian Screen Award for Best Local Newscast. We have developing details. Watch weeknights at 6. It's the start of the Movember campaign and the mustaches are just starting to take shape. But as our health reporter Pauline Chan tells us, the health issues that the campaign targets go on all year. Okay. Glenn Williams thought his battle with prostate cancer was over, but this Movember finds him in the midst of a clinical trial after his cancer spread. If there is a good thing about prostate cancer, it's a slow-moving uh, disease. Um, so early detection is critical. The survival rate is, is extraordinary. He's had surgery, chemo and radiation, but says one of the toughest parts of his treatment has been hormone therapy in an effort to keep down his testosterone levels. Really found that that was probably the most difficult treatment um, because it, it is, you know, you experience weight gain, moodiness, brain fog, fatigue. He credits his family and friends with keeping him positive and also programs through Movember. Movember funds prostate and testicular cancer support groups, mental health initiatives, including for veterans and Aboriginal communities, and research. But we have these really exciting new tools that are coming in that are allowing us not just to detect cancer, but to determine how aggressive it might be and to potentially treat those cancers more effectively. Mike Fraser says a more accurate diagnostic for prostate cancer, called a PSMA test, is currently used in other countries and being evaluated for Canada. He's growing his mo, as is Williams, to raise money and awareness. It's about getting men talking. It's about getting men talking about their health, talking about their mental health, their physical health, and, and really encouraging men to take care of themselves. Pauline Chan, CTV News. If you haven't gotten a bivalent COVID-19 booster yet, you'll soon have a new option. Health Canada has approved Moderna's updated vaccine targeting the BA4 and BA5 Omicron subvariants. It's okayed for use in adults, and rollouts will be decided by provinces. This comes as Pfizer released a small study showing the effectiveness of its bivalent in adults age 55 and up. It found a fourfold increase in neutralizing antibodies against those virus strains as other studies continue. Drake released a new album overnight. 
Major distribution labels call me. Bad bunny numbers, it's a robbery. 500 million just for Aubrey. The album is called Her Loss, and it's a collaboration with fellow rapper 21 Savage. The two have worked together in the past, including their joint track, Jimmy Cooks. Drake released his last solo album in June. It looks like plans for a new reboot of Degrassi are being put on hold. In January, HBO Max said it wanted to create a new series updating the beloved teen drama, but Canadian producers Wild Brain say the streaming service has pulled out of the project. The reboot was slated to have 10 episodes next spring. Meanwhile, another popular franchise could be returning to the big screen. Variety reports the CEO of Warner Brothers Discovery is open to the idea of creating new content from the Harry Potter universe. He made the comment during a call with investors saying it could happen if author J.K. Rowling agrees. She's faced criticism for transphobic comments and a source says there are no active discussions with her. The last Fantastic Beast movie set in the wizard world was released in July. Stars Tonight is brought to you by Lastman's Bad Boy. Who's better? Nobody. Education strike fallout. Monday on CP24 Breakfast. The latest on the school support standoff. As the pressure on families intensifies. CP24 Breakfast. Where Toronto gets its everything every morning. This stopped being about labor disruption. This started to be about the ripping away of workers' rights. Updating our top story is more than 50,000 education workers walked off the job today, striking across the province. This comes after the Ford government passed controversial legislation in an attempt to force an agreement. And thousands of GO Transit workers will be hitting the picket line Monday after failing to reach a deal with Metrolinx. The transit agency says GO Trains will be running, but GO Bus service will be impacted. Striking workers include station attendants, safety officers, and bus drivers. Speed kills, and you need to be accountable for your actions. A Caledon man is facing a six-year sentence for his role in a deadly crash, killing a mother and two children. Back in 2018, Paul Manson was said to have been traveling two times above the speed limit through an intersection, colliding into the SUV. It's been 50 years since the Asian population of Uganda was given just 90 days to leave. Tonight we're reflecting on the forced exile that led as many as 6,000 people to Canada to begin a new life. CTV's Omar Sachedina reports. Returning to Entebbe Airport just south of Kampala with my mother and sister brought many surprises. Well, Omar, nothing looks familiar. <laughs> She, along with as many as 80,000 Asians, were forced to leave their homes in Uganda when Idi Amin expelled them in 1972. I want to see that the whole Kampala street is not full of Indians. It must be proper black and uh, administration in those shops is run by the Ugandan. Amin accused Asians of economic sabotage and he kicked them out to give Uganda back to black Ugandans. He was also a cunning and murderous dictator. When he got them, he would bring them here, electrocute them, and then stab them to death. Canada stepped up to help those expelled and chartered 31 flights to bring more than 6,000 Ugandan Asians to this country in 1972. We didn't have any doubts in our mind 
that if we didn't get as many as we could out of the country, the people who left behind were going to be in serious danger. We had flip-flops on. We came off of the airplane and there was snow on the ground. It was cold. I remember them wrapping us up with a bunch of coats. Most arrived at CFB Long Point in Quebec. My father was on the last flight. This summer, my sister and I took our mom back to Uganda to find her home. I was born here in Nabusange, but I don't know where my house is. We searched for her birthplace and for a way to reconcile the past. It's a long time, 50 years. <laughs> I realized in that moment that life in some ways was such a lottery. What happened to us 50 years ago was really a blessing in disguise because ultimately it brought us all to Canada. Omar Sechadina, CTV News. Nabusanke, Uganda. There's more pain at the pumps for GTA drivers. Gas prices rose four cents at midnight, and they are expected to increase another five cents tomorrow, putting the average price for a liter of regular at uh, just below a buck seventy-eight cents a liter. And heads up for transit users: a portion of Line One will be closed this weekend between Shepherd Young and St. Clair. The shutdown is because of MetroLink's construction of the Eglinton Crosstown LRT. Lawrence Station will also be closed. Shuttle buses will run, stopping at each station along the route. Seven-point lead for the Raptors. Siakam. How about that? On the hard court, the Raptors are in Dallas for the second leg of a Texas road swing. The team will be without point guard Fred Van Vliet for a third straight game, but they have been hot without their star, averaging a whopping 141 points per game. That includes Wednesday's blowout of the San Antonio Spurs. Tip-off tonight against the Mavs is 8.30. Just ahead, giddy up. The Royal Agricultural Winter Fair is back just in time for its 100th anniversary. A sneak peek at the farming festivities for all ages. Toronto is one of the most vibrant, diverse, and interesting cities on the planet. We're a world leader in many areas like business, finance, technology, entertainment, and culture. Each week, Things to Know TO shines a spotlight on a wide variety of local businesses, services, events, and initiatives from across the GTA that are working to make our city even greater. And one of the world's best places to live, work, and play. Join us Saturday mornings for Things to Know TO. A big birthday bash this weekend and something you and your family may want to check out. The Royal Agricultural Winter Fair is returning for its 100th year and the first time since the start of the pandemic. And as Sean Lethong reports, the event doesn't look a day over 90. He knows it. He's very it's a chance to see farm life up close, from the horses to the cows to the goats and the pigs. The Royal Agricultural Winter Fair is back for a milestone. It is a celebration, a century in the making. It's our 100th anniversary, so there's tons of things to see and do for the entire family. With families flocking to the Entercare Center, this 10-day event is steeped in history. With stories like Cindy Eyre from Bowmanville, whose family has been showing animals at the Royal since the first one back in 1922. It just feels wonderful to be back in this environment. Can you tell me about this photo? Uh, this is my father, Lloyd Eyre. It feels great. It's fantastic. <laughs> um, you know, everybody, I think we need this. 
The in-person fair had been on hold for the pandemic, so returning this year comes with pride. I mean, people walk in the door and go, smells like the Royal, which we think is a combination of butter tart, maple syrup, and manure. But it's great. And memories are being made for some, like 11-year-old Ben O'Mueller from Milverton, who's showing pigs for the first time. How do you feel going in? Are you nervous? Sort of. I was nervous, but not anymore. And he's quickly learning how the game is played. You kind of have to get them to like you a little bit. With 11 different animal competitions, farmers are doing all they can to help their chances. So why do you blow dry a cow? Uh, same reason for you. I'm sure you... Just to look good? Fix your hair in the morning and make it look good, yeah. Even going so far as to give their cows a haircut to make their backs nice and smooth. At the end of the day, it's also a competition, and you want to kind of win that red ribbon that the Royals so known for. All right, let me see the hands up in the air you guys want to win. And the Royals also known to be interactive, allowing kids the chance to get up close and personal with some of the 5,000 animals they might not otherwise see. What's your favorite animal to see? The dogs, because they were impressive at the dog show. The cows. I like watching the horses, the pigs, and the horses. And the horse getting the most attention is Winston. Well, he's quite regal, and he loves attention. He loves the camera. A retired police horse, Winston is the ambassador for the Royal Agricultural Winter Fair, who wants to come and say hello, and he'll be here for the next 10 days. Sean Leethong, CTV News. One of many things you can get up to this weekend. We have mm -hmm. lovely November warmth, although I don't know how much the wind we need to be concerned about. Right. I would encourage you to get outside tomorrow. Just be aware of the fact that it is going to be quite windy. So here's tomorrow at a glance. Afternoon high is going to be about 21 degrees in Toronto. But again, those winds could be gusting to about 70 or 80 kilometers per hour, especially into Saturday night. There's a special weather statement that's in effect. Uh, keep in mind, though, that we have wet weather starting uh, likely just before midnight on Saturday, continuing overnight. It's going to clear out in time for Sunday. Sunday's looking like a pretty nice day. And overall, it's not a bad seven-day forecast. We return to more seasonal values by Tuesday. Nathan and Michelle. Thank you so much, Lindsay. And be sure to join John Venavalli Rao tonight at 11 for CTV National News, followed by Zarada Allman with our next local newscast at 1130. In the meantime, our coverage continues anytime on CP24 and online at ctvnewstoronto.ca. For Lindsay Morrison and all of us here at CTV News, thank you for watching and have a great weekend. Good night.